Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Uh, definitely a lot of news, or I, I don't know if it's a lot of news, but there's a lot of smoke uh, around college football right now. Uh, transfer portal is open. Coaching carousel is in full effect. Um, although it seems to me that the coaching carousel is you know, anyone getting on the carousel is making a pit stop in Boulder um, <laughs> with <laughs> with Colorado's hire of Deion Sanders. Oh my God, what a coup! That is a cr- an incredible hire. Um, not going to go into that deeply tonight, but you know, as a Boulder native, um, it's going to be really cool to see CU on like the national radar. And they haven't been for a long, long time. Well, buckle up, kids, because CU's coming to, or the Buffs are coming to Evanston to what, open the 2026 season? Um, yeah, I, I, which, I, that could be one of the first games in the new stadium. Yep. Yep. So The, 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 the Northwestern Wildcats hosting Deion Sanders and the CU Buffaloes <laughs> in a brand new stadium in 2026 is the plane of all planes that we need to land. Let's <laughs> let's let's bring in Sully Sullenberger and land that plane over the next three years. Well, it's a, it's a slow burn, man. It's, it's a long build, <laughs> sure. long build. Pr- prime sure. time versus Fitz time. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Um. So, you know, football season being over, at least on the field. Um. There is there are the bowl games. I mean, we I was going to say our four. football season is over. Our football, yeah, as, yeah our as, football season over. As my kids helpfully keep reminding me that Northwestern is out of it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That's 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 helpful. Yeah, it's wonderful, um, wonderful. Um, but yeah, so bowl season is upon us. Uh, we are running our annual ESPN uh, bowl challenge. Uh, all the information will be up on our website, westlawpirates.com, on our. Uh, Facebook, or Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all of our social media at Westlaw Pirates. Um, jump on with us. We have we have a good time. It's going to be a confidence pick. Um, you know, there's a bunch of games, and there's some interest in a lot of them. Uh, you know, I, I thinking about the Cincinnati Louisville matchup. Uh, what with Cincinnati's head coach being the former coach at Louisville, uh, makes some for some interesting drama going on there. But, uh, you know, with with football season, at least for Northwestern, kind of, you know, fading off into the sunset, uh, basketball season started. And, you know, we haven't really gone into to basketball too much. Um, they, I, I think they've you know, they've earned it. They've earned they, <laughs> some discussion time. Yeah. No, to now, I, I think, you know, we, we've gotten out of football season. You know, we, we've gotten the, the coaching changes you know, at least still underway, uh, you know, as we're recording this on. Tuesday, the 6th of December, nothing has been named as far as new defensive coordinator, uh, new wide receivers coach, or new defensive line coach. You'd think we're going to hear something sooner rather than later. Hopefully, we'll have something for you uh, next week if anything happens. Um, we'll definitely be, be on to talk about it. But, uh, you know, with, with the everything going on, going on around football, basketball just hasn't, you know, been a top priority. The men's team has gotten off to a really strong start. Um, couple hiccups. I mean, they went down to Cancun. They, you know, got to the finals, lost to number thirteen Auburn by one point. Um, in, in a you know, game, in a game that they dragged down, kicking and screaming into the mud. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. But um, yeah, and and then, and then you know coming you know coming back from that with a, just a absolute goose egg of a game against uh, Pitt, but then going on the road to Michigan State and uh, knocking off Sparty, 70-63, to 63, uh, 20th ranked Michigan State, I might add. Um, it's, you know, we, we, we didn't think this team was going to be much going into the season, but I, I think we need to at least be paying a little bit closer attention. We do. And there are a couple things. And well, hold, hold on. Let's give, give ourselves credit. We're always paying attention. We just don't sure, always fair. like sure. feel feel the the well, the cockles of our of our heart to go into the to depth. 
Right. And and, and that's Fair been point. the case coming into the start of this season too, right? Because as we said, the Cats played this pillow soft start to the season. And I know a lot of people are saying the easiest way to, to go negative on this, right, is to say, look, there was nothing coming into this Michigan State game that was jumping out to to be like, what's what's different here? You know, especially given these past five years, everything going wrong. They just got pasted by Pitt. That Auburn game was gross. And there is something. There is something that is worth discussing with this team. And there are a couple of facets to it. But the short of it is, is these guys are playing awesome defensive basketball. They just are. And even in that Auburn game, it, that Auburn game was gross because, from a Northwestern perspective, because we couldn't throw the ball in the ocean. But defensively, they played awesome. And if you watched this Michigan State game, they played fantastic defense, particularly at the perimeter. And it's it's one thing to kind of shorthand it and be like, look, Northwestern's got this weird thing where as bad as things have been, they've beaten Michigan State three of the last four, including two at the Breslin Center. And that's back all to true. back for the first time in how long? Right. And that's and that's that is all true. That's that's all true, but it leads to this dismissive thing, right? Of being like, look, well, you know, we just have this magic against Michigan State. We don't have it against anybody else. And what I would say is watch the tape, or if you watched the game, or or if you didn't, this is what happened. So basically, Michigan State's a loaded team. I mean, that's why they're 20th in the nation. It's a Tom Izzo coach Michigan State team. They are loaded. They have a bunch of really talented guards, and then they have a monster, Sissoko, down low, who is a big-bodied, short but very strong center that is capable of overpowering people and certainly capable of overpowering the unbelievably light lineup that Northwestern is trotting out on an average basis. We have Verhoeven and Barron, quote-unquote, down low. <laughs> Neither of those guys are post true post players in any stretch of the imagination. We all know Barron is most comfortable out at the perimeter. Um, but Michigan State, for whatever reason, was really slow getting on the boat of trying to get him the ball. Those guards were like, we're great, we're running this, we're going to make it happen. And Northwestern's perimeter was like, no, you are not. And that is the thing about this team. If you are looking for something to jump on board, you know, obviously we know it starts with Chase Adige. But Adige, Bowie, Barry, Roper, these guys deed up out of their minds in this game. They were just awesome. It was fantastic defensive basketball. And it led to a point late in the game where you can just see Izzo being like, you guys need to start dumping it into Sissoko because what are we doing? We're letting this game get away from us. And then they made this desperate attempt through a bunch of pick and rolls to generate offense through him at the end of the game. And they just didn't get him the ball nearly enough, couldn't do it. And then it was too late. And between that and Boo Booey, like... A late game boot possession as Northwestern Nation is like, get to the rack. Maybe you get fouled. Don't you dare jack that 30-footer, boo-booey. <laughs> and would you know it? He went to the rack and, and picked up a huge bucket. And they put him away. Um, it, was, it was just an awesome game. And yeah, Michigan State did some things wrong. And no. Northwestern, I mean, this being like one of their best days offensively, still scrapped and clawed to make it to 70 points. It's not a great offensive basketball team, but damn it, do they play some good defense. And when you look at this game and you look at the Auburn game, it's like they can D up. They are good at that. Well, that's, that is the thing that, I mean, that was, was, was a, a huge part of the identity of this team back when they went to the tournament. You think about... Vic Law, you think about Sanjay Lumpkin, um, of course you think about Derek Pardon, um, the 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 defensive mindset of that team and the capabilities, but you know down low versus on the perimeter, um, not that um, you know Scotty Lindsay was was um, a a really long good defender on the perimeter. Um, I, I don't know I don't know how great BMAC was, but regardless, like that was a that was an identity element, and so like to see it emerging again after all these years is great. Um, I think. The coaching, John, you got to talk about the coaching piece in a second here, but I like 
it's one of the things that has been so galling about the start of this basketball season and coming into this year is what happened with Nance and uh, Ryan Young leaving. And I think we all, we all expected Nance um, was most likely, I mean, the, the, the dude, you know, poured everything out in his, in his time at Northwestern. And you just got the sense that he needed a shot to, to be more of a role player uh, on a bigger team or just like to, like, to, to get the exposure opportunity, much like um, Bennett Skoranek when he went to Notre Dame, um, just to see like, hey, what like what kind of pro potential do I have if I'm surrounded by some other players? Does this um, elevate me, um, give me a shot at the league, right? And so, you know, we were we were all expecting that from Nance. We were terrified that Ryan Young might transfer as well because of how underutilized he was for Northwestern last year. And to see the way that those two guys are performing and contributing for two of the bluest blood teams in the country right now is, um, it's painful. It's galling. It's, it's, it's upsetting. Um, in, in many ways, especially when you think about like the role Ryan Young could have on this team as the centerpiece of the offense, like the, the place where we're struggling. Um, but so it is, it is, that's the mindset that I've come into this season with that many others have. And, um, to see the Northwest, this Northwestern team, these players responding and, you know, catalyzing an identity on defense. Um, yes, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be a lot of nights that don't look like this where they don't hit 70. I mean, like they shot 30% from three, which is not great, but not horrible. Um, they shot 43% from the field overall. Decent. 87.5% from three throw. They only missed three. That's huge. If Boo Booey can go seven for seven, Baron can go five for six. That that kind I mean that kind of thing will keep them in games and, and and if you know maybe they can play a little bit older than um than they generally look as a team. I guess Bowie, Audige, and Baron are all and Barry are all are all pretty seasoned. But regardless, like there's there are some exciting things here. And if they can continue this mentality and um build on that defensive identity, I feel like last year the team couldn't find an identity on either end of the court. Um but this is, you know, this is really exciting just from a fan perspective to, to that there's some hope here to, to lean in and, and, and in, enjoy some elements of, of this team. Well, so let's get it specifically from that direction, right? Because I guarantee hundreds of you listening to this are like, no, thank you. I don't like what, <laughs> being like what you're selling me. I've been sold this bill of goods yeah, five, I've been there seasons, five seasons in a row. So, well, let me be clear. I'm not saying they're going to the tourney or even like no, like, no, no. Just like like there could be some some good basketball no, to watch. No, no, no. Well, and so there is a solid answer to this question, and the answer to this question is basically is a couple things because some of you out there are not necessarily aware of this, but there there is a change to this team, a fundamental and important change that, when coupled with the fact that, yes, Northwestern's not a great offensive basketball team, um, and at times they are a bad offensive basketball team. But what they do have is four guards, particularly. When you look at Adige, uh, Bowie, Barry, and Roper, those are four good guards. And in the case of, I mean, I mean, we're all familiar with the ups and downs of the Barry-Adige experience, but like, I mean, not Barry, Bowie-Adige experience, but like, Barry and Roper were big time recruits and those guys are so like, especially from a defensive standpoint, those are four really athletic guards to have a rotation built around. And they have played like it's legit. They've played eight games this season against all kinds of competition, including two ranked teams. And the pit game really looks like an outlier. The rest of the games, they are currently 21st in defensive efficiency per Ken Palm in the nation. And they are this weird team where nearly every team above them in defensive efficiency in the entire nation is also a top 30 overall team in the nation per Ken Palm. Most of those teams are just ranked in the polls. Um, Northwestern's an outlier because they don't play good offense. But they do play really good defense. And Scuzz mentioned the character of those old teams. Well, a lot of that had gone away. And like... Northwestern, and yes, there are teams that are going to be able to pound us inside, but 
Northwestern against teams that are just guard oriented, Northwestern's going to be able to play up with those teams. And no, Turney, no. But steal some wins in the Big Ten, yes. So what's the change? The change is this. In the middle of the summer, and we didn't even talk about it. We were in the middle of football. It happened in July. We were in the middle of all of our summer football previews. Um, Northwestern made a really big coaching hire to this team. They got Chris Lowry, who had been at Kansas State forever and had just taken a job with Missouri State as an assistant. He'd been an associate head coach at Kansas State for, I think, uh, maybe a decade, and then had just taken a job at Missouri State as an assistant. Um, And then we went and grabbed him from Missouri State and brought him in. So the shorthand on Chris Lowry is head Chris Collins been let go at the end of the last season. The list of names to replace Chris Collins would have included Chris Lowry. This is a guy who had a big coaching career. He coached at Southern Illinois for a long time. He was a top assistant at Kansas State on, I think, five different tournament teams. And then they kind of tailed off at the last couple of years. Um, But this is a guy who's coached a conference defensive player of the year guard um, at Kansas State. He is considered a stellar defensive coach and a coach who's had major head coaching experience, a ton of high-level experience across multiple conferences, and a guy who's really good at getting the most out of guards defensively. And we went and got this guy. And this is a big deal for a couple of reasons. One, the obvious thing. Fantastic. What a great pickup for the program. What a massive coach to bring in. It's obviously paying off on the defensive side of the ball, like, fantastic. Um, But the other piece of it being, if we rewind, when Derek Gregg, I mean, so many, I think we're even guilty of saying, like, just assuming is this lip service, right? Derek Gregg, in the statement saying that he was retaining Chris Collins, said, I have tasked Chris Collins, Coach Collins, with making significant changes to this program. And everyone rolled their eyes and said, oh yeah, sure you are. Well, folks, this is what it looks like. Like he went and, and, and there's, there's another piece of this. Chris Lowry was a very in-demand coach, a top assistant coach who suddenly came on the market and he went to Missouri State. Now, yes, Missouri State is not a high major program, but they are a program playing really good basketball right now under Dana Ford. Dana Ford has had a couple of hot years. So you have to imagine, he's just hit the open market, right? This is a guy who's been, you know, he was out in Manhattan, Kansas, Chris Lowry, as an associate head coach for a long time, had that stability. Now he's uprooted from Manhattan, Kansas, when that administration's turned over, and he goes to Missouri State and lands at, at a stable place. Missouri State's a good basketball team, and he's a good pickup for them. And then just imagine, right, like, Chris Collins has got to be viewed as one of the lame duck coaches in the country, right? Why does Chris Lowry pick up from a Missouri State job he just took and come over? Yeah, there's a Big Ten piece of it, but I have to, I have to believe that Derek Gregg was carrot and stick on this. I expect you to make changes. I will empower you to make the changes you think are best. And Chris Collins was like, hey, I think maybe we can get Chris Lowry. And Derek Gregg said, what do we need to do to make that happen? And you know what? They went and made it happen, and it's showing out on the field, on the court. So if you're looking for a barometer about Derek Gregg early, I'd say thus far, I mean, money where his mouth is. He tasked Chris Collins to make changes, and they made a big one, and it appears to be bearing fruit right now. Yeah, and like, you know, just kind of looking through the the schedule uh, for the rest of the month, you know, we're back into into non-conference play, uh, Prairie View, and then a couple, you know, Chicago matchups with DePaul and UIC, um, and then uh, we got Brown uh, to wrap up the year. Uh, before getting back into Big Ten play, and obviously the Big Ten is as much of a juggernaut as, as it always has. I mean, been, real so. real talk, right? The performance of this team to this point in the season suggests they can get to ten and two, which I, I don't think any of us have that on our bingo cards. <laughs> no, um, 
And then, not, yeah. Not at all, and no. And then, then they go into the meat grinder. Sure. But, hey, you know, if they can find a little bit of offense, like, it, it's – they really have. I mean, they that Auburn game was gross, but they could have won it. And that would be two ranked wins on the season, almost entirely on the strength of defensive basketball. They keep playing D like this. They're going to win some Big Ten games. And if they can stake themselves to that 10-2 and two start, hey, you know, who knows? And, and again – from a larger standpoint, our AD came in and tasked our basketball coach with making a change, and they went out and got a major asset to this program that is helping this program. And if you're looking for some reason to dip your toe back in these waters, like, there's a reason. There's a reason. The new administration is working to make this program better. Uh, the women, um, four and four so far on the season, uh, you know, coming off a couple, uh, losses, uh, Duke at Duke at Michigan, um, you know, still trying to find their identity, I think, uh, you know, with Veronica Burton having moved on, uh, to big, bigger and better things. So, you know, we'll, you know, keep an eye on them. Um, you guys have any, you know, thoughts on, on the women just as, as it sits right now? No, and I haven't, I haven't, I haven't dug into their games or anything yet. But I just like, it's a tall order to lose Lindsey Pulliam and then Veronica Burton two years in a row. Two, two of the best players to ever come through Northwestern. Um, some of the highest heights that that this team has ever uh, has ever gotten to. Um, and uh gosh couple that with you know the um i'm forgetting the name of the three-point shooter that we lost the year before lin uh lindsey um but regardless like like the i think they're just they're trying to find their way in the beginning of this new year and they've knocked out you know some of the low profile teams and they've gotten ab absolutely hammered by the by the big ranked ones i, I was so gonna say just, i like I just want to stress, this team's 4-4. Four and four. Their four losses are to three ranked teams and Duke. Like, yeah. like let's just see them play a nice, normal team, and we'll see yeah. how it goes. I mean, they only lost by 11 I, to Michigan. I think the hard part is, other than that Michigan game, they've looked, they've been beaten quite, quite significantly by those other, those other ranked teams. But that doesn't mean that they, that they can't, I mean, this, this is a, so many of the, the players on this team are like Kaylee Walsh played a lot last year, but this is, this is, she's now like a go-to on this team. Um, she, she's leading the team in scoring at 13.3 a game. Yeah. And, and so like, she like, she's finding that like Veronica Burton was the unquestioned absolute total leader of this team last year, probably the year before as well. And they're trying to find that voice and Sid Wood is back from injury. She's still getting her, you know, her sea legs back under her. You've got um, Kayla Rainey. You've got Courtney Shaw's back who certainly has a leadership voice, but everybody's, everybody's figuring out their role in a new light after somebody like Burton leaves. So um, that's, you know, we, we need to, we need to give this team a little bit of grace, but um, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great to see them against like medium competition instead of the extremes. Let me yeah. let me give you a point of reference, right? So Illinois woman right now, they're seven and two. Northwestern's five and four. I mean four and four. Here are Illinois wins. Long Island, Alcorn State, McNeese State, Evansville, Oakland, Charlotte, and then they won and then at Pitt. At Pitt is their hallmark. They lost to Delaware and they lost to a ranked Indiana team. It's like Northwestern could easily be seven and two against that exact same schedule. Like we're gonna see. You know, let's yep. see them play some mid-level Big Ten teams, and then we'll know where they stand. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents, as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats!
moving on, I think, um, you know, we do have some football to talk about, but I, I think tangentially to football, uh, we got uh, some big news about a, a former football player and f- former guests of the show. Um, Scuzz, you want to tell us what's going on with uh, Tank Ledger? Yeah, so um, if you're not if you're not familiar, uh, Tank Ledger is Joe Spivak's um, basically uh, wrestling alter ego. Um, he has uh, he has started to show up in um, in matches and fights on uh, uh, on NXT. It's really really exciting. But the thing that jumped out to us tonight, right as we were getting on the pod, honestly, I was scrolling LinkedIn and saw a post from um, a, uh, a director of talent development with WWE who called out specifically Spivak and, and said that the, the pace of development in the four months that, that Joe has been with WWE is unprecedented in their development program. And some of that is about just the new, the new NIL. They call it NIL, which is kind of, kind of funny given all the other stuff going around with college football, but it's called Next in Line. But, but but it but it is it is an NIL thing. I mean, it, it's getting college students uh, NIL opportunities in conjunction with you know the WWE. So it is giving yes. them some money in school, and they're promoting WWE. And you know, Joe among others. I mean, there's been a bunch of guys uh, and and women who have been a, who are a part of the NIL program, and you know are now starting to you know, train and, you know, be seen on NXT and, you know, begin to make their moves up in the world of WWE. Yes. Well, exactly. And and it, it, and it's a more purposeful approach from, from WWE and, and the the NIL does, it stands for next in line, but I think it's a, you know, tongue in cheek, you know, um, kind of acronym there, but the, in the past, you know, and they described this in this article that was, that was written um, uh, by, by the sports business journal. They talk about, um, you know, college athletes would find their way to pro wrestling. Like Brock Lesnar is somebody who was a, a, I think a national champion wrestler with yeah. the university of yeah. Minnesota. Um, and then found his way into, uh, into wrestling. You know, the, the, the rocks time as a defensive lineman at Miami is well documented, even though he, he never did much on the field in college. Um, his, uh, you know, his, his ascendancy is, you know, certainly they talk a lot about his dad as a, as a, as a former wrestler and football player, et cetera, et cetera. But um, current uh, current WWE champion Roman Reigns played uh, defensive line for Georgia Tech. Yeah, exactly. So, but but this this program is a much more intentional. Like we are going to explicitly mine college talent for uh, the types of personalities and and um, and, uh, and 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 uh, athletes that can um, that can grow into be WWE superstars. And so so the articles you know call it. 30 to 50% about the program and then call it 50 to 70% just spotlighting Spivak and how great a job he has done. I mean, we've, we've said from like, from the moment we saw his recruiting video, we knew this, we knew this dude was, was, uh, you know, meant for something of this nature. And, uh, it's just so, so exciting, um, it, it is, it's, to, it's, to see him spotlighted in this way. They're basically like, we got this new program and it's working amazing. And how do we know? Cause look at this friggin' guy. Like, like, whoa, Nelly. And I think we should take it too that it's like clearly, I mean, for, I mean, for anyone who's not watching NXT every Tuesday night, or if you are being like, well, I've worked, you know, we're seeing him every now and then clearly he's valued within their organization and clearly he's someone they view as on the way up. And it's all the more reason for us to be excited for what the next couple of years are going to bring for tank ledger. Um, and, you know, kind of pivoting from that uh, on to uh, some football news. I mean, I did make mention off the top of the, the show um, that the transfer portal uh, this year now has now has a window. And it that window opened uh, for players to put their names into the transfer portal. That opened yesterday, uh, Monday the 5th. And it'll go until, I believe, a week or two after the national championship game. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I, it, I think it's like a six or seven week window where uh, players are putting their names in and uh, trying to move around. Um, and then it'll, it'll, it'll close and it'll close through spring ball. Right. And then it'll open up again. 
but I but think I, yeah, for a little but, bit in the late spring, early yeah, summer. But so they introduced these windows to um to address some issues that have been happening in the past, you know, eighteen months where like a guy doesn't make the the two deep or doesn't get named starter at the end of fall camp and puts puts their name in the transfer portal and then you know or what, gets four, benched in week two and yeah but the, and then what four weeks later somebody gets injured and that like it just it 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 it, it didn't make sense for for it to be a total free for all um so I think this is a good change I think it um really uh emphasizes the you know the opportunity to move but also like puts the onus on to make sure that that players are being thoughtful about it want to do it for the right reasons etc so i i think it's really good but um yeah obviously this is this is the topic du jour um everybody and their mother is uh, a lot of, a lot of qbs a lot of a lot of action happening in the transfer portal and i mean and it it reemphasizes too i mean this is something that was already painfully obvious but now with this window it's only the musical chairs are going and the music is playing right now and the music's going to stop and right now we don't have a defensive coordinator and we need to get a DC in and probably a D-line coach too and probably a wide receiver coach too because you're just not going to see incoming traffic um you know at yeah. those positions Well it's not just it's not just portal you got early signing day on right. December 21st too Exactly yeah. and it's like we you know there fits is I mean he made the change we wanted and now you know He's got to make a choice, and it's got to be the right choice. He's got to be the kind of he's got to make the kind of hire that is going to um, incentivize um, transfers to come in, um, <clears throat> and that includes the position coaches, also defensive line and wide receiver. Um, it, it's got you got to make that hire, and you got to make guys want to come in. And then the flip side is that there are guys going. You know, we've had Northwestern guys go into the into the portal, and <clears throat> most of those names. Were names that we've you know generally expected. Um, Malik, of course, being a big one. Um, AJ Hampton was one where, in a bizarre way, I think you know we kind of thought that he you know that he was finishing the end of his college career. So when he went into the portal, I was like, well, maybe he can come out of the portal now. <laughs> that would be like, uh, <laughs> hey, maybe we get AJ back. And if not, you know, then best best of luck to him. But I think that was we had kind of thought that. Can't, between Cam Mitchell going pro and, you know, that AJ was probably going to be hanging him up. We kind of thought that those two guys were out the door. <clears throat> Jordan Butler entered the list. Now, on one hand, we've chronicled as much as we are able, given the lack of information we have, the injury issues Jordan Butler has battled during his time at Northwestern. He spent half this season trying to get on the field, and by the end of the season was playing as much as he can. But, you know, it's just been a very injury marred career for him at Northwestern. He went into the portal and that was something that I don't think we were too surprised by, but as we stated many times, he is one of the few true 300 plus pounders to guys who are comfortably wearing 300 plus pounds and don't have to gain 50 pounds to hit that number. And he's in the portal. And then that was compounded in a big way today when Austin Firestone put his name into the portal. Um, this is one of our true freshmen who played this year. One of our true two true freshman defensive tackles, um, and he he was playing by the end of the year a defensive tackle. And as we are all aware, this is a position of dire need for Northwestern. So you see two big guys, two big bodies going into the portal, and you keep in mind that all of our grad transfers that we picked up at that position last year, which there were three, their eligibility is done now. Um, Jason Gold is done. Jordan Butler is out the door, uh, most likely. And it's, we desperately need to acquire some defensive tackles. And that probably doesn't happen until we get a D-line coach in a DC. So we are praying those things happen as soon as possible. And I, I, I want to be clear, um, you know, just going into the this transfer portal season, like, I, I'm not going to speak for you guys, but I know for me, I will never, ever begrudge a player for wanting to move on. You know, if, if something's not working, we're not in the room. We don't know what's happening. And if, you know, we, we want nothing but the best for these guys. And if, it, if that's not going to be here, we hate to see it. And like, especially with a guy like Firestone, who, you know, we were really excited about him coming in here, but something wasn't working. And whether that is, you know, 
Jim O'Neill and Marty Long are no longer here and, you know, he wants to go somewhere else or if it's, we don't, we don't know. Like, and, and that's okay. We don't have to know. Yeah. There's so many reasons that guys can transfer. I mean, like, like, remember these are, these are college kids trying to, to handle, you know, Northwestern academically and athletically. I, I knew, I knew people that left school after freshman year, like that, that happens. Um, you know, guys find themselves in situations they didn't expect themselves to be in uh, on the on the football side. Position coach, um, friends, people like people have stuff back home. We we, we talked about um, all, all the time, like players that were you know that that in the past had had to apply for you know hardship waivers because they had a sick grandparent or a sick parent or something like that. Like there are so many reasons. I I I, I cannot stomach. The people out there that are that are making noise about, you know, oh, these kids just don't want to work hard or, you know, blah, 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 blah. Okay, like, sure, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe a guy who's transferred like six times now, like just go to school to school to school to school. And there's a couple of them out there that that are, you know, relatively high profile QBs or were high high profile recruits at one point. Like, okay, like, sure, maybe you can say something like that about them. But like to paint with that broad brush for for everyone who's in the portal it's just not fair and it's just not right and i'm with you sam i will not begrudge these guys um we we've we we heard from from people after the 2020 season like there's a lot of reasons players transfer and the the distance from home is a big deal for any college kid and this 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 stuff just plays out differently and i know it's emotional because we get tied to our team and and the performance and and we you know, talk about four years for 40 years at, at, with Northwestern. And we, you know, we, if you're a fan of the school and a fan of this program, the, you believe that there's a, there's a reason behind it, right? Like, like so much of college football is, is, uh, and college athletics is this belief. Like I love my school and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a supporter and you, as a fan, you feel a part of it. So of course you feel, you know, aggrieved or, or, or bothered when people, you know, leave or, or, uh, reject your school, whether it's recruiting or otherwise, but like just take a breath and step back and like, just recognize that, that we don't know the why, unless somebody comes out and says straight up, like, well, I didn't get the starting job. So I'm moving on. Like, this is not, you know, some failing of the, of the, of the youth or the new generation. Um, it, it sucks when you're in the position that Northwestern is in and you're hemorrhaging more than you're gaining. But, uh, this is, you know, the, the the players didn't make the rules right. This is a this is an opportunity that's afforded to them, and they're taking advantage of it. And I and I like I, I they should they absolutely well, so should. So on one hand, and and dovetailing with that, on one hand, Northwestern definitely does need to improve their approach. They need to improve. They need to update. Right. Like I think we saw um, Jacob Schmidt leaving the athletic department. Right. To to I think what is he executive director of True NU. Right. Which is the alumni. Um, yep. NIL collective and like those are the exact kinds of changes the exact kind of steps Northwestern needs to be a taking to improve the existing approach um, I would say it goes too far because I know there are a lot of people being like Northwestern can't succeed in this modern era of like the transfer portal and everything like that and look it's it is tricky and it's tricky in a couple particular ways it does bear mentioning that's not what has put Northwestern in the position Northwestern's currently in. Northwestern didn't get bad at football because a bunch of guys transferred out via the portal and then new ones didn't come in. That wasn't the order of operations here. Northwestern (laughs) made a couple poor decisions and a couple different things happened and Northwestern suddenly ended up in a place where our record was really bad. And then these things, and yes, that's true, but you know what, like, having a really bad record over the last couple of years and failing to get the kind of players you want to come in through the portal isn't going to be a problem that's unique to Northwestern. That's going to be unique to any program that's down. I mean, that's going to be shared by any program that's down at this point. Um, And ultimately, like Northwestern's bread is probably going to be buttered in an improved but similar way to the way it's been buttered in the past. The You know, bringing in the right guys, putting all that work into all the evaluations and everything. And yeah, there probably will have to be some changes made relative to the portal and how that all works and everything. But I just want to be clear that it's like the reason Northwestern is in the position Northwestern's in right now isn't because of failure to, it's because of things that happened on the field and things that happened with coaching that put us into this position. 
where it is now difficult to dig out of that position in the current landscape. If we were still, you know, if we hadn't stopped winning eight, nine games a year as we were in relatively recent history, these things would not be hitting the way that they're hitting right now. But as it stands, I mean, the the thing that makes it so difficult, because I, I totally agree with everything you guys said about outgoing transfers and that it ultimately the guys have to make the decisions that are best for them. We are absolutely depleted at defensive tackle right now. And this is a, a situation where it's like we have two defensive tackles who are in the currently committed in the 2023 recruiting class. And again, decisions are decisions. We really, really are hoping those guys recognize that the extent of Big Ten playing time um, that they're going to be able to get right away, and that those are talented players who, you know, um, come in right off the bo- right off the bat and, and get a chance to show out. Um, but with a guy like Firestone entering the portal, like Northwestern, we were talking about this on Twitter today with Louis Vacare, but Brendan Flakes is the only player on the Northwestern roster right now who was rec- who was recruited primarily as a defensive tackle. Who is playing on the defensive line? I want to say Duke Olgis was recruited as a defensive tackle, but he switched to tight end last year. And I think Najee Story was primarily recruited as a defensive end. And the other guys we've got playing defensive tackle right now either were recruited as defensive ends or their preferred walk-ons. And they're so to see us have a guy, Firestone, go into the portal like Again, it just reiterates, it's like, we have to start pulling guys in, probably through the portal to start, you know, bolstering this unit. And we, we got to make some hires and they have to be the right hires that are going to entice these guys to come back in. And, and let's be clear, just because someone puts their name in the portal does not necessarily mean right. they're gone. Um, we, you know, we, every year the portal has existed, we've had, I think... I think every, uh, at least the last couple of years, we've had guys put their names in, see what else is out there, realize it's not what they not what they want, and, if and I'm come a, back. And if I'm a defensive and, coach, I mean, if I'm a defensive lineman and my DC and my position coach are both out, I don't not going to begrudge anyone for putting their name in the portal and waiting to see who gets hired to coach them. <laughs> yeah, get you get, open up your options, right? right? Like a hundred percent. And just you know, to put names on it, so Malik Washington two years ago put his name in the portal, came out, came back to Northwestern, massive contributor. Uh, last year, uh, Garnett Hollis put his name in the in the portal, came back out, came to Northwestern. He was a big contributor on on defense at cornerback this year before he got injured. Um, so like, yeah, that it happens. It happens all over the place. It happens all the time again. Like you just you don't know why. If, you know, Firestone might be homesick, he might be, uh, you know, doing exactly what you just said, John, keeping his options open around, around you know, his position coach and his DC just left. Um, who, who knows? You just, you just never know. So, um, like, w- we'll see what happens here. I think, you know, something that, something I want to call out with regard to NIL and some other things, and this is, this is where I really hope Northwestern can, can kind of get on the front foot again as they think about stuff, because, um, you know, Sam, you alluded to the Deion Sanders hire uh, at, at Colorado off the top of the pod, and one of the things that really struck me because um, I was listening to his press, his, his introductory press conference uh, at CU. One of the things that really struck me is he talked about um, the the cameras that have been a part of his journey as a as a as a coach when he was at um, Jackson State. They started they just they film. They had a documentary going. Um, they're filming what's going on in the locker room. Everything goes up on social. Everything. Everything goes up on social. But he talked about the intent behind it, and it ain't and it ain't about prime time, folks. Like it's very easy to be like, oh, look at this guy. He just wants to, you know. It's not about that. He said specifically, we're going to have these cameras in here. You're going to see him. You're going to get used to him. The types of players that we're going to bring in here, the types of athletes we're going to bring in here, they want to be noticed. We are going to help them get noticed. And I point that out because that is such an important consideration when you think about NIL and, you know, Jacob Schmidt moving over there and how Northwestern needs to, like, I don't think the culture of the football team needs to change, but the culture around, like, maybe how they promote 
athletes, etc., can definitely be improved. And at the same time, now we know Fitz is old school, but think about that 2020 season and think about the foundation, the documentary that 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 they were filming throughout that year. Now it was it wasn't going directly up on social. They were they were cutting together, you know, the most incredible um you know, uh, <laughs> Northwestern film product that we've seen in a long time. Um, but like embrace, like embracing and steering into that, I think would be so good for this program. That's the sort of thing that will, that will move the needle and attract people to your school on average. And I just thought it was just a, 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 an epiphany moment that I had listening to Sanders talk about it. Um, and I thought it was really relevant for Northwestern and, and, you know, we've talked to, we talked what, two weeks ago, last week about how Northwestern used to be the innovators. And, um, that's how we, you know, kept our edge and managed to do more with less talent on the field. Like we need to be the innovators well, outside and- of that. And I think about the program that they, that they stood up of, of having, you know, the Jacob Schmidt led of having former athletes mentoring existing ones on, on the, the business and professional side, not just on the athletic side and how successful that's been for Northwestern athletes. We need to continue to innovate on that. On Absolutely. That and, I mean, to your point, I mean, I don't think Fitz is, I don't think Fitz is ever really going to necessarily be that guy, like full bore. But to the point that we made a couple of weeks ago, like, I mean, that's fine. Like, let Fitz be Fitz. But I mean, like, that's the kind of, you know, pulling in a DC with that kind of mentality or position coaches with that kind of mentality, you know, guys like that who are thinking that way and projecting that with the players. Or, or, uh, or like a, player personnel right. development exactly like leader like um Co- cody uh uh cody Sita, who went to the the san diego Chargers. right exactly ago, right? i mean it's like you you want to i mean let fits be fits and pull in a bunch of of other guys who can handle this piece of it um right because i mean i think again it already feels like dion's gonna be lapping the field here and like i think i have a feeling that some of the things he's going to be doing at Colorado are going to lead to some course correction across the rest of the nation. But, um, but right. I mean, but right now, some of it, some of it is he, he, yeah. he just gets it. Like yep. he just gets it. Right. And you heard him talk about like, um, he's such a, he's such a friggin' legend. He says like, I don't yeah. chase the bag. The right. bag chases me. He's like, I've made money. I made plenty of money in my career. I don't, I don't need to make money. I'm here to coach, to drive the, to drive the, the, the growth of these young men. I'm here to, to be an advocate for African-American coaches. I'm here to, I'm here to drive change. Like he, he just gets it. And like, I'm not going to, you know, in like try to guess what Fitz's financial situation is, but like he's, he's been head coach at Northwestern for a long time and we know he makes good money. Like be be the impetus for change and, and, and for growth, et cetera. Right. And, and, and like, we we've put a lot on Fitz's feet at Fitz's feet these last two years. Um, and, and I think, you know, uh, rightfully so. Um, yeah, at the sure. same time, like he's, he's not the anti-technology curmudgeon that he likes to play on TV, like in his heart of hearts. Like he, like he gets some of this stuff. I think he understands some of this stuff like more acutely than, than we even give him credit for. So, um, but I'd love to see, I'd, I'd love to see that mindset open up and shift. And yeah, to your point, John, if it, if, if he's not the one to, to lead it on the face, find someone who will and empower them. Um, any, anything else to, to mention before we get out of here tonight? Yeah, no, I mean, this is going to be the thing we're going to be watching, right? I mean, this it's, I'm sure it's going to happen to, I mean, knowing us, like probably it'll get announced tomorrow, right? As soon as we hit like record, <laughs> uh, but, but, uh, these are things that have to get done and right. We're hoping for these impact hires where, you know, Fitz pulls somebody in and the rest of the nation goes, Oh dang it. That was a good hire. And then, then that positively influences everything that happens going that way with, you know, players choosing to stay or transfers wanting to come in and, you know, recruits reaffirming their commitments, um, that, that, that all flows out of some, some great decisions that, that Fitz makes and that circling back to what we said before that Derek Gregg, um, supports and empowers him to make. So let's, uh, let's hope for that kind of positivity. Uh, so once again, before we go, um, Want to plug the ESPN Bowl Pick Challenge. Um, all of that information, once again, is up on our Twitter, up on our website, westlawpirates.com, uh, up on all of our socials. Uh, jump on in, have some fun. 
Um, and I know all of our kids have picks in it as well. And, you know, pick however you want to pick, whether it's, you know, which mascot is the cutest and cuddliest to what color do you like best? It all works. And, you know, it's bowl season. So, you know, how many people are opting out? How many coaches are changing? Nobody knows. You know, you know, it, it, it's, it's bowl season. <laughs> bowl season is always just a good time. Um, just pick, just pick so, Morocco. You can't go wrong. It's all about it's all about Morocco. <laughs> so I, I I gotta I gotta dovetail into a funny story. Um, I did uh, knockout round brackets for my kids, um, and the older two, you know, know enough to like probe probe a little and and ask, like, well, who are the good teams or who you know who's favorite? Like, and I'm you know I'm whatever. I'm give them a little give them a little intel. The three year old just like. Whatever team I said second, I'd be like, all right, Nora, do you want England or France? France. Do you want Croatia or South Korea? Croatia. Do you want Morocco or, or do you want Spain or Morocco? Morocco. And I was like, are you just <laughs> saying the second one that I say? She's like, yeah. So um, I realized this after the fact. And then sure enough, like she's neck and neck with the others because she's got Morocco. <laughs> uh, she had Croatia. <laughs> um, so uh, it was pretty, pretty funny. Um how this, we'll see how this all plays out. If uh, if Argentina wins, the three year old's gonna gonna take the other two down. They're gonna be aside pissed. from us losing. It has been a pretty awesome tournament. But uh, yeah, the Morocco was the Morocco was yeah, it's the been a lot of fun. So yeah, look if Morocco can make a run in the World Cup, any of you can pick the right bulls. That's that's what we're saying. N- exactly. Not just a run in the World Cup, but one that features like historical retribution of, of a grand <laughs> the, scale. The return of Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> how many of you saw us going here going there on this pod how many of you had Gibraltar oh, on yeah, your bingo before cards? we before we dive down too far into the geopolitical uh, bearings of hundreds of years ago uh, let's go ahead and uh, put a pin in this one uh, head to our website westlawpirates.com where you can leave comments and questions find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at westlawpirates and email the show westlawpirates at gmail.com Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics and look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John LeCombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.